the bottom line is um, they think that people they can bully are the ones who are most likely to pay off. So they focus on those. Um, whether there's a overt racial component, I can't wait until we can tell you that definitively. All righty, welcome in, boys and girls. Another, uh, I think this show, this this Alabama politics this week uh, show. I think this one, this episode is going to be the best ever. ever. Um, or I mean, it may not be. We'll see. Uh, all right. So I am uh, Josh Moon. Uh, the other person uh, that hosts this bad boy is David Person. That's right. All right. Um, I get so we're going to have John Archibald on uh, in a few minutes to talk about uh, his. A series now of pieces. Apparently, that's all the columnists at AL.com do now are series. Uh, we had Kyle on last week who was uh, d- doing a, a State of Denial series, and now right. uh, Archibald is, is slowly eliminating Brookside as a <laughs> as a town. Yeah. So it's uh, 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 which much deserved. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. He had another story today about uh, things that went on about them targeting people who posted about them on social media, and uh, I mean it's uh, it, that place is a cesspool for God's sakes. Uh, but uh, it's it's very very interesting. So we'll get into some of that and, and can, talk about what led to it. Yes, can sir. I, can I? I know we got we got uh, we're tight on time today, but can I give a really quick shout out to not just to John but to the return of. Of, of sort of the traditional journalism approach, you know, I love what I love what John is doing and what Kyle have been doing in terms of just, you know, digging deeply into subjects and just ripping the shreds, mm-hmm. you know, uh, out off of people and institutions that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. That's the way it's supposed to be done, man. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's the way it used to be done uh, before money. Uh, got you know got to be such a problem, um, and and the way that al dot com has has been able to do a lot of these things is is that they are they've received a, a number of grants. Uh, the you know Archibald of course with by winning a Pulitzer, uh, a very deserved Pulitzer. Uh, what it has been able to attract uh, you know some some grants and things like that, and so it's helped them mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do more long you know, long-term journalism, I guess, uh, you know, to, to actually, you know, be absent from the pages for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks while you work on, uh, these other things, uh, you know, and then, and it's, uh, a lot of luxury that is, is available in a lot of, for a lot of newspapers. And so, uh, you know, it's nice. You're right. It's very nice to see, uh, yeah. this, this kind of return. And so, or, it, so you we know, need, we need you to start getting <laughs> some of those grants because you do high caliber work, for APR, you know, you, you scoop, you get scoop, scoops, you break news, you're holding the authorities and the powers to be accountable. Yeah. Some of those grants need to be flowing to you, brother. Well, you know, I, I think uh, of the old adage, you know, you don't get them if you don't apply. Uh, and oh, I, I, we haven't applied, so... 
so that may that may explain some of the losses. Uh, you know, at, uh, some of the missed opportunities there. But uh, uh, you know, but now uh, listen, I, I really, really do appreciate what you said there. But uh, and and at some point, maybe we can we can get back to that. But you know, we we're we're trying to. We're trying to grow and uh, and see where we can you know where we can build out on in, in various endeavors here. So uh, we we've got it. Uh, we got it, we we'll get to there. We'll get there at some point. And uh, you know we've already discussed a few projects and things like that that uh, that could be done. And uh, you know listen, I, I'll say this. Um, I, I don't think that there's a better example of impactful journalism than what uh, Chip uh, Brownlee and Eddie Burkhalter. Uh, yeah, that what they yeah. did with uh, with COVID coverage at APR, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it that's was very true. Very true. Uh, yeah. They, you know, they did. You know, I, I know it's data and it's charts and graphs and uh, mm-hmm. and quick stories a lot of the time, and so it, it doesn't have the immediate impact mm-hmm. uh, on things like uh, the stuff that that John and Kyle have done. But over a long period of time, man, those things have I think educated a ton of people, probably saved a lot of lives. Uh, you know, just to be honest, I mean, people could actually see uh, in an easy to understand format just what was going on. So, I, I mean, I think what they did there is, is really, really fantastic. So, uh, but point, anyways, point we'll yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get we're going to get Archibald on to talk about Brookside or what's what's left of it now that he's, uh, you know, torn it to shreds. Uh, but uh, first, uh, we want to talk about the decision this week by federal court um, in Northern District of Alabama uh, to overturn Alabama's congressional maps. Um, I, basically, they said that the maps were, uh, were biased uh, against minority, the minority population, does not give the minority population in the state an opportunity uh, to elect people of their choosing uh, because uh, the state, the maps, the way that they are drawn, pack uh, a significant number of minority voters in this state into one single district. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, pretty fair. Uh, it, it would have left Alabama with, uh, in terms of congressional delegation numbers, 14% of their congressional uh, delegation being minority, uh, being Terry Sewell. Um, and, you know, that's underrepresentative of the minority population in the state currently. Mm-hmm. And in 10 years would be seriously underrepresenting the minority population in this state. Not to mention, it's just inherently wrong what is taking place here. Um, it's you're, you're not giving what, what's supposed to take place is, and the reason why we're so partisan in this state is because we draw these districts, legislative and congressional district and school board districts and everything else, so we maximize the race issues in there. And and that's and and at this point, uh, the majority of the overwhelming majority of Democrats in Alabama are black and minority voters. And, Mm. you know, uh, that's you know, that's the reality of it. And so it becomes easy to divide at that point. Um, And so what you have now done is you've you've eliminated the opportunity for minority voters to impact races in other legislative districts and other congressional districts and other uh, all districts uh, by doing this. Because let's say let's say you don't you have a, a district that is 55, 45 uh, white. Yeah. Well, that's better. Than what you have now, mm-hmm. that that would be better. Than, than what you have now with a, with one district that is, you know, that is overwhelmingly minority. 
Right. Because the, they can't impact any of these other races. You, you, their their votes don't matter. Their voices don't matter at all. Right. Well, you know, it's uh, it's really unfortunate that in 2022, <laughs> we're still having to deal with the with the harsh reality that when it comes down to, and I'm I'm going to be very direct, and I'm probably going to offend a lot of people with what I'm about to say, but we're dealing with a very harsh reality. That when it comes to voting, white people, generally speaking, don't vote for black people. They just don't. Mm. Uh, the, the reality is that black people have always had to make the choice to vote for white people. And we've done it because mm-hmm. we haven't had a lot of opportunities to vote for anybody right. else. So what we're really dealing with here is the ongoing reality of how race permeates politics. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we're talking about here are mitigating uh, or or, or about solutions that can perhaps mitigate Mm -hmm. the human nature problem that we've got. And, and and, and And so unfortunately, what Republicans have done, because uh, they have made, I think, a very concerted, they've made a very direct decision to, um, to cater to, pander to the fears and the biases of, of, uh, of, of a number of white people, especially of a certain generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they have decided to uh, you know, uh, play politics in a way that really is predicated upon race, even if you don't say that overtly. That's, what's, that's what they've been doing in various ways nationally and in the state for probably five decades or six decades uh, after, well, pretty much, pretty much <laughs> going back further than that. But I'm saying, you know, uh, since the Voting Rights Act, you know, supposedly we were, we, were, we were trying to move in a different direction, but they continue to play the same game. Yeah. Uh, and so... And so uh, what they've done now with this, this redistricting uh, is they have created a scenario where they have kind of ghettoized the black vote. <laughs> and, uh, and it does exactly what you said it does. But the real problem, again, is that, you know, race is the, it is the backdrop. It is the cloud that hangs over our heads. Nobody's talking about it that way. People will deny it. But the numbers show it election after election. Yeah, you're you're right. And listen, it's this is um, it's the reason why we we have idiots. Okay, um, well it, it is, and, and it and it works both ways. It works both ways, Republican Democrat. And when you draw lines like this right here, okay, when you draw uh, things uh, where it is so hyper partisan that what you essentially have to do is out Republican or out Democrat, the other person. You're not working for the common good of people. You're working just to get votes of the base, of the rabid people who are going to show up, that you know are going to show up and vote. And so that's the reason why abortion is such a big issue in Alabama, uh, because it's it's not a big issue when you when you actually put it to a polling test. It's some you know actually Roe Roe v. Wade is a uh, is something that would stand up if if voted on national. 
internationally uh, by a pretty wide margin. Uh, and I suspect that it would probably stand up in this state uh, as well. I mean, it would be pretty close, but I think it would I think it would probably stand up in this state as well, because people don't like the idea of overall uh, of the government intruding on on people's personal decisions. And that's what basically we're talking about here with that. And so but. My overall point is this, is the reason why this is such a big issue is because it's a big issue within the Republican Party, among conservatives. Mm -hmm. And so you then take a small district that they've carved out and, and, and made this hyper-Republican. Well, the only way to win that is to be hyper-Republican. Okay, and so you just keep getting morons that go farther and farther and farther to the right. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. Where, and, and so, of course... This, these things were gerrymandered to the point of racial bias. Of course they were. Everybody who looked at this saw this. They, they could have solved a lot of this. Let me tell you, it, would, it takes, a, a, on the map, it takes about a half an inch difference in drawing this to change this whole thing. If you were to take the portion of West Montgomery County that is currently included in Terry Sewell's 7th District, and just include it in the second district, you probably solved the whole thing hmm. at that point right there. Because at that point, there's no way in hell Barry Moore's winning that district, okay? Hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you come pretty close to turning it to majority-minority at that point. I mean, it'd be a really close district, I think, at that, at that time. And let me tell you, what you'd probably end up with is one of the best congressmen that you could have. You'd probably end up with somebody who, a very centrist uh, candidate, uh, a Bobby Bright, for example, you know, uh, who can't decide whether he's Republican or Democrat from week to week. Uh, but, you know, it, but that's sort of, you know, Mar even Martha Roby wasn't, uh, you know, he, uh, just an off the wall crazy person. Well, her um, rhetoric, her rhetoric sometimes was uh, off oh, the certainly. wall. But, but, yeah, but she also was the one that yeah. declared she wouldn't vote for Trump. You know, yeah. would never vote for him. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, but yeah, in terms of just maybe governance, she 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 didn't seem to be uh, rapidly extreme. But no. but she certainly, but her rhetoric wasn't great though. Yeah, but you know, she came in on the backside of that switchover. Uh, mm -hmm. You know of that, and so uh, you know, as it uh, when she was elected and she beat uh, uh, Bobby Bright out of that seat, well, it was more, more of a of a centrist kind of a seat, and then it kind of, it gradually grew to be more hyper partisan as it went along, and and that's the reason why it, it, you now have Barry Moore in that seat for God's sakes, mm -hmm. um, and so, but that's what I'm talking about, and and here's the thing to me, and, and we you know. We've had people on to talk about this before and, and to go through what's, you know, what's right and what's fair. I don't understand how, if you are a voter in this state, if you're just an average voter and you want the best for this state, I don't understand how you don't support a commission, a redistricting commission of nonpartisan, uh, a, a, a large commission that has to vote on, has to draw the lines, has to vote to approve the lines, and take the politics out of it. No politicians involved. You just you you get 
uh, appointees from everybody there that that draw this thing up and you have a number of academics, you have a number of people, historians, you have people that go through and just look at the numbers and you just, you carve this state up, both legislatively, congressionally, school district wise, everything. You carve it up according to the basic numbers on things. That I, Who is against that? Well, I'll tell you who's against it. And I understand what you're saying. That is what, that is what the that's what the mentality ought to be. But again, mm-hmm. I go back to my opening statement, which is that that what we have in America in general and in Alabama in particular is a white population that does not want to see um, <clears throat> does not want to see a slew of black elected officials representing them. And that and it's due to deeply seated racial biases and fears. And mm-hmm. so the reason that what you're talking about, which is reasonable, mm-hmm. which is reasonable, the reason that's never going to happen, it appears in my lifetime, at least, I'm, I'm much older than you. So in my lifetime, I'll say much, maybe it'll much, happen much older, much older. Let's keep that in mind. David's much older. <laughs> the reason that's not going to happen is because of these deeply seated, uh, you know, biases and fears, man. Do you think so? I mean, Hell do you yeah. think that that's? Yeah. I mean, I, listen. I, oh, listen. Look, yeah. You know, people, people have have read my stuff. They know that I'm well aware of yeah. the racism that exists yeah. here. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's. You know, I don't know that it it that that most people understand now that the race portion of this is the driving factor uh, in it. I think what they look at, I think most people, because I think a lot of people voted for Obama, and so they think that that, you know, creates that, you know, that they've absolved themselves of all past sins. And mm-hmm. so, um, but I think that they they look at, say, let's, let's say Anthony Daniels, for example, uh, you know, our friend, uh, who, is, yes. who is probably, he's probably well right of me. He is. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a very he's pro-business yes. uh, kind of guy. Uh, he's, he's probably closer to a Republican, very conservative guy, church-going guy. Um, and so, he is, he's a centrist. He's a centrist. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that right now— he is. Oh, I think—no, I no, I agree with you, too. I, I agree that he's, he's, he's more of a centrist in there, and he's a very—I I think he's a very good—I think he's exactly what you want in a politician, but, you know, yeah. that's beside the point. Um, I think— that they have painted all black people as Democrats for so long now that most of the white voters that, that call themselves conservatives or call themselves Republicans won't vote for somebody like Anthony because they believe his black skin makes him a Democrat more so than simply because they don't want a black man representing them. Well, I, you know, that could be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount that entirely. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying all yeah. now. I want you to understand, yeah. I know that there are racists yeah. that are, that live amongst us here that would not right. vote for a black person, period. But right. I, I think that the, uh, a, a majority now, yeah. a majority well, now or, or believe that way. The reason, the reason I have questions about that is because, again, I'm not discounting it, but the reason I have questions about, about your mm-hmm. theory is that, we know that there's something, I'm going back now to your Obama analogy. We know that there's right. something called a tipping point in social sciences. And, and when it comes to race, 
what that means is that when there reaches a certain level of black in neighborhoods, for example, when when there's a certain level of saturation of black people in a neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. that was once predominantly white and blacks start moving in. Once you reach a certain point, it may be 30% or, uh, or 25%, I don't remember. But the social scientists say that's when white people start fleeing. That's right. when they start fleeing. I think in politics, there's a similar tipping point. You can have an Obama. He's an outlier. He's an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's face it, Obama was a black candidate only because he was a black person. You know, when you look at his politics and his, and yeah. his, his cultural uh, disposition, Obama really wasn't uh, what I would call uh, super black. You know, he's a black man. He, he, didn't have the cape. he didn't have the cape or the glasses or anything. Yeah. <laughs> With a big old picture of Malcolm X on the back yeah. or something. No. Yeah, they tore over his chest and there's Malcolm right. X on the. Yeah. You know, he's no, you know, right. and to put it more, I guess to put it more, uh, uh, I'll say it a more accessible way. You, you compare Obama in his disposition and let's say the right Reverend Al Sharpton in his disposition. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Dramatically different. Mm -hmm, And that's mm -hmm. no, I'm not maligning either person, but I'm just saying stylistically, they don't come across the same, they don't express themselves the same way, uh, so on and so forth. So I'm saying that I think that there is a, there is still a deep-seated fear in America of there being, oh, we can take one Obama, you know, uh, and we're okay with you know, uh, there being one black person in our congressional delegation, but I don't care what they look like, sound like. You you try to get three or four Anthony Daniels in there, dude, it ain't happening, man. Not in Alabama. It ain't happening, and it's not going to happen in America. Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point. I mean, I take your point of, uh, you know, of, of this. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I saw the phenomenon with, with Obama. Um, you know, it didn't. Uh, after Obama was elected, every single thing became Obama's fault. <laughs> you know, it was right. uh, oh right. man, you know, it was like the, it was a, the famous little clip of him trying to dunk the cookie that wouldn't fit in the glass. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Obama. You know, I mean, it was just you know, it's uh, you know, it's uh, that you're right in, uh, in that regard. I just I just think that they they now justify a lot of that. Uh, as politics, uh, you know, we're not electing Democrats because they don't stand for us or whatever. And I, and now I do think that there is an undertone of racism in the in that you know that they they judge what's going to what the politics of a black politician is going to be uh, based on their biases, uh, you know, and, and their beliefs of you know welfare and social programs and you know taking all of my hard earned money and giving it to people who won't work, you know, and, and, unlike farmers, you know. And, so. and let's go back to Obama for a minute because something else just hit me, Josh. You know, yeah. when you think about the 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 political posture of President Obama, mm-hmm. here's a man who bent over backwards to try to be accommodating to the general public. He was the Jackie Robinson yep. of American politics. You know, he's the man who said when Henry Louis Gates had that unfortunate kerfuffle with uh, the police up there in Boston or the mm-hmm. Harvard area, he said, hey, guys, let's sit down and have a beer. Let's mm-hmm. talk it over. People found fault with that. 
No, yeah. With that, a man trying to broker a peace deal well, listen, for America. What did he expect when he wears a tan suit and eats fancy <laughs> mustard? Okay. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes. Come on, David. You know, man. Man, put on a tan suit. He forgot. He, what did he expect? Suit. He did. He did. I mean, you know, that's it's it's so it's just like this freak out. You know, I'll tell you what the problem is. You know what the problem is? Conservatives are stupid people. They're children. They're they're dumb, ch- selfish, self-involved, childish people. That's what their problem is. And, yeah. and I, I'm not even, I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear, oh, you shouldn't be harsh. I've listened to them uh, just whine and moan on and on about uh, President Biden this week calling Ducey uh, a, a stupid son of a bitch. You know, right. And yeah, first of all, Ducey is a stupid son of a bitch, okay? <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Based right? on the he questions is. he asked. Yes, I mean, he is stupid, okay? I mean, even John McCain was, you know, why, why would you ask something that stupid, you know? Ooh, that was a clip but, and a half, man. That was funny. We just sat through five yeah. or six years of this orange-tinted jackass calling the press, the enemy of the people, yes. encouraging people at yes. rallies to be hostile and violent with them, yes. laughing about people, you know, taking women and just berating them in the middle of press conferences mm-hmm. and, and, and talking mm-hmm. down to them and acting like they were the, just subhuman people. So, you know what? Shut up. Mm-hmm. Just and you people cheered it, and right now, right now, all of you little sensitive asses with you, oh, he called him an sob. I can't believe it. Have got let's go Brandon shit flying in your front yard, all right? right. And we all right. know what let's go Brandon stands for, right. and it's you're not clever and it's not funny, all right? Yeah. So, but this is who they are, and that's what right. I'm saying is they're whiny little, uh, you know, and, and that's the the self involvement that is that, that is present now and that has been okayed by. I don't know, just gener- a generation now of mm-hmm. conservatives that, that they've decided that it's okay for them to just have this double standard for pretty much everything, yeah, how government runs, uh, all of it. And if you don't cater to them, then you're not their guy. All right. right? And if you give a handout to somebody else, instead of giving it to them, you're not their guy anymore. Right. Like, now, I, I, and, and I'm with you. I fought the uh, I fought the grassroots conservative movement and their leaders for this hypocrisy. Having said that, should Biden have called called him an sob? No, he shouldn't have done that. Well, but but but, but I mean, it's not presidential, Josh. Well, not- listen, I a hundred percent agree with you that it's not presidential for somebody for him to stand up in a, in a press conference. Oh man, you're a stupid son of a bitch! Like you know. But that's not what the situation was. That's my point. Is well, he 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 didn't know that the mic was still on, and he was just sitting there watching people file out, and they're screaming questions at him, and he was like, "What a stupid son of a bitch!" You know, right. I mean, it's, I mean, it you was know, a spontaneous. It was a spontaneous. He was just saying it to himself. You know, should he not be allowed to do that? Of course, he. Oh, you know, well, he, to I, me, it looked like he was saying it to somebody, but. Uh, but I mean, I'll, I I can go this far with you. I think it was a I think it was an authentic, spontaneous utterance that, that yeah. we all that many of us agreed with and sympathized. <laughs> I with. mean, he, it was. But, a, look, let's let's be honest now too. He, it was at the end of a, but, of, a, of another little set where another response uh, that yeah. he was having under his breath, or not really under his breath, but well, just to himself. Right. It was just like it was just like a oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, inflation's great. It's real asset. What a yeah. stupid son of a bitch. But, but you know, I mean. I mean, but, 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 I mean, to your point, you know, uh, while I'm maintaining he shouldn't have said it, to your point, it doesn't even come close to the 
perpetual, continual haranguing of the press that Trump did and did it to such an extent that he actually uh, put some people in danger Mm -hmm. because he made them targets almost every time he did one of those rallies. So, you know, he's pointing at them and berating them and you know, I just, in fact, I used to wonder, why do they even continue to cover him? They just shouldn't even cover him. Yeah. They should have stopped. Well, you know, uh, I, if you ever are wondering about the mindset of the people that attended Trump rallies and, and really uh, the, the conservative base at this point, just watch, uh, go online somewhere, TikTok, uh, YouTube, whatever you're choosing, and watch Jordan Klepper's uh, a series of uh, of. I don't even know what to call him, really. He just, where he goes to Trump events and and oh, talks deals, yeah, oh, and talks funny. to people. Yeah, oh, it's it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It, it's, it's funny, but it's also disturbing. Sad. Yeah, yeah it's sad. Yeah. It's sad yeah. that some that people have been fooled into into becoming this in in this cult. This is that the they are central in. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He oh, was, yeah. He, those are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're it's that they're they're funny to to an extent, but you're right. They're just it's. It, it it just shows you how far I think we we have sunk in the in the country. Just where it's we're we're just you know they're they're so self involved that they don't even hear themselves. Yeah, you know. Um, all right, let's uh we we've done enough here. Uh, <laughs> I've called several people stupid sons of bitches, so I think we're. <laughs> I think we're good. Uh, let's uh, let's get uh, let's get a very smart son bitch on here, uh, and that'd be uh, John Archibald. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. I'm David Person with Alabama politics this week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about. Alabama politics and culture, and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends, and also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. Alrighty, welcome back, Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person. We are happy now to uh, have a Pulitzer winner and columnist, and I think uh, Brookside Mayor uh, at this point, uh, John Archibald. Uh, I think you you get it by default now since you've eliminated most of the sound at the, uh, the town hierarchy. I don't want none of that. <laughs> uh, that is John Archibald with AL dot com. We. Um, you know, we, we first of all, thank you for for coming on uh, with us. I know you're busy, uh, but uh, we we opened up talking about uh, you and Kyle, and apparently y'all only writing series now. Uh, that uh, that I told Kyle, I said, "Hey, it's great job security. You start a series, I can't just get rid of you in the middle of a series." <laughs> so. It's a, it's a lot harder than uh, sometimes what we get. well, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. It's different, different. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, I think, pretty much everybody. Uh, in the state and quite a number of people around the country now have read the the stories about Brookside. Uh, and, and I think everybody kind of relates to it. Uh, maybe if you haven't gone through Brookside, you've certainly gone through one of the speed traps on the way to the beach, uh, you know, or, or somewhere in one of these small towns. But I, I guess 
if you could just kind of give a, a brief overview, because I do think everybody knows what we're talking about now, but uh, you know, a brief overview of, of what the stories are and where things kind of stand right now. It's a whirlwind out there. Just moments before we uh, uh, came on here, uh, well, earlier today, Representative Wandling Gavan had asked for the uh, resignations of the Brookside mayor and the, and the, and the, and the judge and the prosecutor. And uh, so, of course, sought comment from them about that. So Brookside's the only place where when asked to resign, the, the, the judge says, no, I'm not going to resign and, uh, and refers questions to the prosecutor. So <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, wow. yeah, so you, you can imagine my questions. But, um, you know, Brookside, uh, I set out to do a project really that looked at the criminalization of poverty. Right. And, you know, how we tend to use fines and fees and stuff like that to cover up for our, our failure to fund government adequately. And, you know, a lot of people write about that and it was, and it can get pretty, you know, boring and people have, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I have a hard time finding the heart to feel for those who are the most hurt by that because they don't necessarily identify with them. But when Brookside stumbled on a Brookside, which in the past, you know, in two year period of time uh, went from, you know, increased their fines and forfeitures 640 percent to where it, it amounts to half the city budget. And the police chief who's hiring police officers and, you know, getting tanks and all this stuff says we need more than that. That's that's when they got a dog that's named Canine Cash. They're not subtle. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And, and wow. so and so it became one of those things. Like you said, Josh, you know, um, I was surprised at how much it resonated and it did go kind of viral. But that's because everybody can relate if they don't have a Brookside. They've got another community. And anybody that thinks Brookside is alone is fooling themselves because mm -hmm. these things are all over. It's just they're so greedy and ham handed that they. They stand out, and hopefully, people will focus on the bigger picture and not just Brookside. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about because you know, I, I, a while back at the at the Montgomery Advertiser, we, we kind of got started on on a similar project. It wasn't um, it wasn't exactly the same, but we wanted to look at the fines uh, that are imposed now through the court system, um, and and we we kind of started with uh, them jailing people for being unable to pay traffic offenses. And, and we got some of that, a little bit of that changed uh, eventually. But of course, the courts got involved and, and forced some changes. But, um, you know, I went, I'll never forget, I talked to uh, Judge Bill Sashi down there, who was a circuit court judge at the time. And and this was, he, he was, he, he told me, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what else to do. So this is why I'm calling you. And uh, which I really appreciated. That was his last resort. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, but he said, I, I've got a guy, I've got a mentally ill guy here um, who has been in front of me eight times. They keep picking him up uh, out there because, you know, people call him and say he's loitering here. He's loitering there. He's doing he's running, rubbing through the trash. But well, he comes in here. And, you know, I, there's no, I don't have, my hands are tied on things. I, there's, there's only so much I can do. And I said, I've knocked the fines down as much as I can knock them down. But the guy still owes $8,000. He has no more chance of paying $8,000 than I do paying $8 million. And he's like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And he said, so it made him start going through the fines. 
And he said, I'm, I'm a circuit court judge. I've been sitting on this bench now for going on 10 years. He said, I can't tell you what five of these things do. I have no idea where they go. He said, I know they go to the legislature. I know they fund something, but I don't know how to do this. We went down and talked to the clerk, uh, Tiffany McCord. Um, she couldn't tell us what two of them did. So we, we literally, and it's all based on this system of funding our government through, through the punishments of poor people, basically. Um, and, and we've squeezed them out. And I know it was set up with this idea of funding and, and you know, racism and things. But, man, it is it's killing people at this point. It is absolutely killing people. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's really stark. And that's what you know, honestly, that's why I like the idea of the Brookside, because. Because. You know, how many stories have we written about that, about people going to jail yeah. in Montgomery County or whatever, you know, yeah. in Harpersville and and how people get caught in this web of debt that they can never get out of because mm -hmm. they make mistakes that, you know, if, I, if, if, if you run a stop sign or if you're charged with running a stop sign right. that you don't think you ran, chances are you're going to pay the ticket and move on and forget about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so many people can't pay that ticket. They get extra fees tagged on. They end up driving without a license, they, you know, getting suspended and then driving without a license because of it. And so it's because they roll through a stop sign, they end up paying hundreds of thousands of dollars that they'll never pay, robs them of their ability to uh, to get a job, to work mm -hmm. uh, every time they, I mean, you know, so all those things, you know, are really important things. Um, but it, it's it's weird how, but, but you know, it's, uh, again, it's why... All those things are so vivid in a place like, you know, Brookside, and hopefully people will see it. But, um, but you know, the you know, the dangers of you know, incentivizing criminalization for profit are, have, are always huge, and they're huge whether we're talking about pri privatized prisons or whether we're mm -hmm. talking about any of the many things we tend to do. But as soon as you give somebody a badge and a gun and say you know, your job is to protect and serve, but your first job is to make us money. Mm -hmm. um, that should, that should uh, frighten everybody on, in any party. Uh, and, uh, and fortunately, you know, for the most part so far, this has yet to be greatly politicized. I mean, knock on wood, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's a basic fundamental right, you know, uh, and, and several of them have been <laughs> seemingly been violated in this. So, John, first of all, I want to just say kudos, massive kudos to you, major props to you, because most of us who have been doing this this column writing work in our careers can't say that our work has resulted in a police chief resigning and a lieutenant governor calling for an official audit of a town. I mean, kudos to you, man, for some great work on that. Now, let me ask you this. I'm sure Josh can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I had one resign, but I don't know. <laughs> so let me so let me ask you this, John. Um, there is in the history of our state and of our nation, there is a long there's a long established practice of governments exploiting not just poor populations, but specifically populations of color 
to build their coffers, to build their infrastructure, so forth and so on. This goes back to slavery and extends right up through Jim Crow. Um, in the case of Brookside, I know that your, your fantastic reporting keyed in on some black people who were, uh, well, one black person in particular, or a black couple, I guess, uh, 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 brother and sister, who had been victimized by these uh, by the Brookside Police Department. But is there evidence to suggest that what's happening in Brookside is really race-based as we have seen throughout history, or are they equal opportunity exploiters there? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, we don't have real good data on on whether or not, so we can't break it down and say, you know, 90% of the cases are people of color. We have anecdotal evidence from the Reverend Vincent Witt and his sister, Tria, you talking about uh, there who were, uh, who said they were subjected to, you know, racial slurs and then, and, and then revenge on the part of the Brookside Police Department and others, uh, uh, black and Hispanic uh, people who, uh, who, who believe in their heart that they were singled out because of, of what they looked like. Um, but it also seems to me to be, I mean, if you're asking me what I think, um, it's that they prey on people they think are the least likely to be able to cause them problems in court. So that if, if, you, if they see a person black or white, alone in a car and the car is, you know, maybe not a Mercedes and they uh, uh, don't look like they have a lot of resources, they're a lot more likely to catch that person for rolling a stop sign or something or, or having a questionable uh, crime. They're more likely to stop them and search the car and bring out canine cash to sniff it and to put uh, a, a number of charges against them. Um, so, I mean, I think that the bottom line is, um, they think that people they can bully are the ones who are most likely to pay off. So they focus on those. Um, whether there's a overt racial component, I can't wait until we can tell you that definitively. All right. My, my second part of my question assumes that there is a racial bias <laughs> at root here, um, which, again, I can see. It's reasonable. Right. I think it's reasonable based on history alone, let alone right. the specific actions of the officers. Uh, and anecdote after anecdote, which, right. which we had another one in the paper today. Okay. Okay. Not paper, in the whatever it is. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we, we know what you mean. We know what you mean here, okay? We're, we know, I got you. Website, the it made me feel good to hear you say it that age, way, honestly. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, Assuming that there is a racial component here, uh, again, looking at history, anecdotal history, um, documented though, um, black people have been, and I think other people of color too, have historically been afraid to speak out because of retribution, because of uh, the potential for them to lose their jobs, maybe their homes, uh, um, and, and other resources uh, for their lives to just be made really challenging and difficult. Uh, do you have the sense, do you have a sense as to whether or not uh, the, the brother and sister, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on their names right now. Uh, wit. But, wit, yes, Wit, thank you. Uh, uh, 
Pastor Witt or Reverend Witt and his sister, do you do you have any sense as to whether or not they have uh, they are they are in any real danger in terms of their income, their well being, or even their lives? Um, I, I don't think that at this point they are. Enough time has passed that police chiefs, uh, you know, changed, and there's a lot of focus on that now. He certainly uh, has reason to believe that. Uh, for those that don't know, essentially, um, he, he claims he was an officer used the N word in talking to him. And when he called to complain, the police chief retaliated by, or the police department, I'm sorry, retaliated by um, trumping up some charges uh, uh, on uh, impersonating an, off, an officer or something, not just for him, but his sister who was not in the car and had no knowledge of the the uh thing and so they put them on uh the facebook page and on the crime stoppers page and and so Witt believes and i think justifiably so that and he was interviewing at a new church at the time to be pastor he's currently the the chaplain at uh, a small suburb suburb in birmingham and uh outside of birmingham and he thinks he didn't get the job because because of that very question uh, and and his sister, she's been a longtime federal employee. She's she had an understanding boss who realized how ridiculous this was. She had, she had supported the sheriff who 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 saw through it pretty quickly um, and got the things down. So I mean, I think that ultimately, I mean, they still have lawsuits pending as well. Um, so I think they were definitely harmed, um, but I don't think they're in physical danger. Um, there are other people, you know, who uh, one uh, time after time, you know, who 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 made, you know, who got stopped, and and usually it's, it's frankly it's usually the black and Hispanic people who get the most grief that I've heard, at least anecdotally again. Um, but you know, when they make posts on Facebook about getting a ticket in Brookside, you know, they get letters, notes from police officers or calls that say, you know, there's a warrant out for your arrest for inciting to riot for that Facebook post or something, which is <laughs> insane. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and innocuous Facebook posts as well. So, I mean, this just this level of intimidation and this assumption that they can bully people that sometimes goes terribly wrong because both the wits and the person I wrote about today, Michelle Jones, um, didn't just uh, dig in deeper, but they kept the receipts, you know. So um, they uh, uh, turned out to be formidable people who really uh, may win it all in the end. Hey, nice, uh, nice use of the colloquialism. They kept the receipts. I like that. That's really cool. <laughs> so a, one, one final. Well, I like it when people keep the receipts. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, it always makes it a lot easier to write these things mm -hmm. when you well, got the receipts, baby. One other quick question about the politics of this. I it surprised me when I saw the story that you published. I think it was today, or maybe it was yesterday, about uh, Ainsworth getting involved. Josh's boy, uh, uh, Will Ainsworth. <laughs> Well, come on, Josh. You know that's your boy. So it's because uh, we go to the same barber. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what? What did, did that surprise you that a Republican lieutenant governor decided to j get involved in this case? Well, I mean, in a, in a sense, perhaps because in this day and age, you can't you know say anything that's not instantly politicized and and weaponized, and um, and so that does surprise me. But he's been pretty passionate about it and said unequivocally, we're going to do something about it. Of course, you know, 
I've been covering politics for 35 years in this town, in this state, right? So uh, just because something gets done doesn't mean it's, it's a good thing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have celebrated passage of bills and stuff in the past that turned out to be the devil. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we have to be careful, but, yeah. but I think the level of commitment is pretty strong. And, um, and I've, and I honestly, I don't recall ever really getting this much response tips and things like that wise from across the board. And, uh, and you know how it is when, uh, when people say, uh, I disagree with everything you say, but I like this one, you know, take it as a compliment, but there's been a lot of that. So, um, so, I mean, I think it resonated across the party lines and, and that's been the most, the coolest thing about this. Cause these days, I mean, you know, that makes me nostalgic for another time, yeah. uh, but yeah. I, be but I believe it again, it's, it's one of those things people can relate to outright corruption and, um, and overt wrongs. And, and so I think that's what, what they see here. You know, uh, one of the things that struck me, and I think I said something about this on Twitter, was uh, the fact that you had uh, a sheriff willing to talk about this uh, in, in a negative, you know, to, to point out the, the negatives involved in this, and a DA as well. And, and you don't see that a whole lot uh, from, you know, the, the so-called good cops speaking out against the bad cops. Um, and, you know, but, you know, having said that, I, I wonder... Um, how much of this was made possible by this kind of uh, romanticizing of police and and military and uniformed people that we we've done of late in the country, uh, you know, especially in in this red state uh, where we're very pro police. We love you know the thin blue line and and all that, and it seems as though you can never question. Uh, police officers without getting pushed back immediately as, oh, you're, you're anti-police. And, uh, but I wonder how much of that played into this, uh, that, that allowed something like this to, to transpire. Yeah. I mean, before I answer that, I would say that, you know, I've been really um, pleased with the number of police officers who have, you know, said, this is crazy. This is Good. wrong. And that's, and, you know, and, 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 and want to prosecute them. And that includes some government entities, you know, so, uh, not all, but oh, some, right. uh, but, right. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the notion of, you know, militarizing our police department, mm -hmm. you know, getting, letting them have, you know, giving, essentially you're giving people who are able to write good grants, the ability to have tanks. Right. So, and all sorts of body armor and, and, you know, this should be Mayberry. We're talking 1,253 people and they've got, you know, police officers in double figures and 10 SUVs blacked out all the way around in a freaking riot control vehicle. Cause that riot in that town of 1,253 <laughs> is going to require anything they got. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, but, but so, you know, we've changed our notion of what a professional police department is, um, to one that, you know, used to be a department that could discern, you know, how to best protect and serve and how to make, serve the community and understand its problems, particularly in a town that size to one that is ready to go to war. And, uh, and, and based on talks with residents, you know, that is not good for uh, 
either business in the town or or the people that live there. Um, and uh, you know, if we we really need to reevaluate what we want from our law enforcement. We want protection. We don't want fear. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and yeah, and I'll, I'll get you out of here on this because uh, really, you know, I know we've got you a little while, but. Uh, what is the one thing I've wondered about is what what is that what is this done to the people are the people in Brookside who live there the twelve hundred who live there um, are they are they treated this way I mean surely they can't they yes. can't be treated that they yeah. are yeah I talked to yeah I mean those those the guy yesterday who said you know um, again with the threats you know he was he was pulled over got a ticket had a Facebook. Uh, you know, he made a Facebook post and was pulled over and told not to do it again or else it'd be worse than the ticket. He said they wow. pull into his driveway all the time. Got it. Woman today said, you know, I grew up with all these people. Nobody's more well known with me but, than me. But my daughter got into a situation with uh, the police and, uh, and they couldn't find her and they surrounded my house like a SWAT with the, you know, the SWAT team. And, uh, just for for no crimes at all and, and there's a lot of there are a lot of people who who are really really uh, upset with the way things have gone recently and um and, and there seems to be a, a good deal of relief that people are looking at it i'm sure i'm sure there are others that i haven't heard from that that may feel differently i mean i talked to a former dispatcher the, the other day who said you know he he there's such vindictive nature that he quit. He he quit a, few, a little while back, and um, then he had an incident at his house and called the police, and they wouldn't come because he had just quit. What? No. <laughs> I mean, this is God. worse than Ferguson. Sounds like. Well, you know, Ferguson. Ferguson I'm sorry, I know you want me out of here, guys. No, no, I, absolutely not. We were getting you out for your benefit, not ours. Ferguson, you know prompted outrage in the justice department report that said you know uh you've been preying on people and, and it leads to conflict it leads to trouble because you have 20 percent of your budget 20 to 25 percent of your budget uh comes from fines and fees and forfeitures 20 to 25 brookside has twice that um and uh and you know it's also really really telling today i mean it's if we think of it as just you know like how in this town you know 1253 what kind of trouble can they get in but you know, there was some, uh, a, 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 the, the woman I wrote about today was complaining initially about being ticketed outside the police jurisdiction and wrote everybody she could possibly write, including the police chief. And the police chief responded that with a, not just said, we police officers in the state can give a ticket anywhere. So, um, you know, <laughs> anyway, so that's the philosophy of the police department. We can give you a ticket anywhere. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, we mentioned Will Ainsworth earlier. Where where is the AG? I mean, I know. I listen. I know a lot Good of these question. things were reported to the AG's office. I know they were. Um, why why did they never look into this like you did? Well, I mean, also in the story I wrote today, the woman filed a, a complaint with the AG. Uh-huh. This is a woman who took it outside the jurisdiction. Claimed she was. Intimidate. They tried to put out a warrant for her for inciting to riot for a Facebook post, that sort of thing. She filed a complaint with the AG a couple of years ago and thought it had gone away. And then this yesterday morning, she got a call from the investigator and said, "Well, we never closed your case." Um, yeah. But 
you know, I think part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of what they're doing is legal in Alabama, at least on the surface. What happens to the money when it comes in? Those are all different issues. But it's but it's but it's possible to say it's legal. There's nothing we can do. But which is why, you know, I tweeted some today. I mean, uh, the uh, it, it, most, it, people my age anyway remember Fruithurst, Alabama, the most notorious uh, speed trap of of my youth, which was on the Alabama Georgia line, and um, it was it made national news. Mm-hmm. And then then uh, Attorney General Bill Baxley um, decided that it was the worst speed trap in America. So he opened up an office in Fruithurst, population 250, and vowed to defend everybody who was jailed by Fruithurst police. Wow. And did so until they disbanded the police department. So, I mean, you can do things to, you know, make a better state if you show a little creativity and you have the gumption to do it. Yeah. We haven't seen that. No, we haven't. And, uh, you know, and I, I want to, uh, I'd like to say publicly, well, I disagree with his defense of his most recent famous client. Uh, Bill Baxley is right. one great Alabamian. Uh, I got to <laughs> right. tell you. Right. Yeah. I, I disagree as well. But, you know, and I, and I would like to give props to, to Will Ainsworth, who, you know, yeah. who probably doesn't agree with me on much of anything, but uh, who's able to look at the, uh, at the fact and I worked very hard to keep opinion out of these pieces because I felt like it was such a, you know, big and important thing that I would just let the facts speak for themselves. And I hope that that works. Well, yeah, props to props to Will Ainsworth and, and some others, but but really props to you. Uh, I mean, it's with things yes. that have been reported yes. uh, for for a lot of time to, with people. And and had you not done what what you have done, and you didn't have to do it. You had other things to do, uh, you know. But this was a good story. It was a worthwhile story. It was a uh, it was an important story. And man, you you, you just killed the damn thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you really did. And and uh, it's uh, keep it up. And and we really appreciate the work that you've done here. And we really appreciate you coming on with us for and spending some time gabbing about it. My pleasure. I love talking to y'all. Y'all are fun. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. That is uh, John Archibald, L.com. Seriously, guys, Google, just Google Brookside at this point. I mean, you know, just Google Brookside and go and read the stories. And um, it's, they are, it's what David said earlier. They are, they are fantastic examples of journalism and, um, you know, you can't beat him. Uh, he, he has done real, really, really good work on this. Absolutely. Thing, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I'm, we're looking forward to our, uh, our paid sponsorship from AL.com at some point, but we just keep having <laughs> shows touting the shit that they write. And, you know, I mean, I'm like, Hey man, how about a little something for the effort? Llama? Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, Hey, uh, let's, uh, let's slide out. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up. We've got, we have a second guest. That's, yes. see, that's how good of a show you're getting yes. today. We have a second guest uh, yes. before we head out of here. And uh, and then we'll give you a right-wing note of the week, and we'll get ourselves to the house for the day or stay at the house where we are. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Back in a minute. Alabama Politics this week.
Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics This Week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama I can't see politics. you, Josh. Is there a reason that I oh, can't see you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I I left my uh, my camera off. Uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't know, you never know what I'm doing over here. Stripped down uh, to your skivvies or something. I didn't know. Hey, easy. <laughs> People don't need to know that. That's just for us. Um, uh, no, I'm fully clothed. Fully clothed. Um, yeah. So uh, that was great, man. Archibald is. Yeah. We, we need to yeah. get Archibald on more often. Uh, she is so good. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that series is really something. But, uh, you know, we, we, David and I also write things every now yes. and then. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we don't get Pulitzers. Uh, <laughs> you know, but we probably could if we really tried. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no, we yeah. probably could not. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, Archibald's been, been doing this for a while. I think you've, uh, I haven't, I haven't been, I mean, you've been writing columns, I think, pretty consistently over the past 20 years. I've been writing columns and then I stopped for a good while and then I just started again recently. So you've tracked a whole lot more miles than I have. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a nice way column. of saying I'm old. Uh, well, although, a, as we noted earlier, not as old as David. No, uh, you're not so, as old as me. We, we, uh, we can see that for sure. But we, we each uh, had we each had columns today. Though. Uh, yeah. Today is Thursday, by the way. Yeah. We record this thing on Thursday. No reason for us to hide that fact from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, let, let's start with yours uh, yeah. because I thought it was great. I thought it was a great column, and it talks Thanks. about um, uh, them once again uh, wanting to do something with Confederate monuments um, uh, to protect them, and. I, I mean, will this never end? It doesn't appear as though it will. Uh, Gerald Allen is, uh, and 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 I, I, you know, I focused in on him because he's the he's the primary protagonist here. He's the one who, in two thousand and seventeen, uh, was the main uh, sponsor of the uh, Alabama Monuments Law. He's and useless. Then, and he's then, useless. Yeah. And then again, he's introducing this again today. So it's like he's or or for this session. So it's like he's got a a real fixation with trying to ensure that Confederate tributes are are on tax, you know, are being protected by taxpayer dollars and and uh, and preserved. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's not going to end because. There's this virus in the state. He and others are infected by it. They just, uh, they don't seem to, you know, they don't seem to to realize that this fixation that they've got with protecting the Confederacy, uh, just what what it really, how it makes the state look and how ultimately 
it's going to really blow up in their faces because the population continues to change. And, and at a certain point, some businesses are just going to say, we don't want anything to do with the state mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's doing this. That, that kind of uh, gets a little bit into mine, uh, my column as well, because my column essentially was, uh, not essentially, it did ask you, mm-hmm. you know, what has the GOP done for you? Yeah. Uh, in the state, as you know, and I noted that Terry Sewell uh, on Wednesday uh, held a press conference in which she announced a $360 million loan and a billion dollar investment in infrastructure from the Biden administration and Democrats uh, that's going to go to rural health care, uh, sewer and water, uh, uh, broadband expansion. All, you know, all of these things that we all know and have talked about for years are, are huge problems in this state. And, and Democrats have finally delivered, despite the fact that Republicans control every state office, every statewide office is controlled by Republicans and has been for uh, at least 10 years, more than 10 years now. Uh, they control the legislature with a supermajority in both houses. Uh, they can pass anything they want, tackle anything they want, do anything they want. And what they have chosen to do, instead of those problems, which we all acknowledge exist and that we need to fix, what they've chosen to do instead is shit like what Gerald Allen is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, what is really, what should really trouble people if you're a thinking person uh, you know, and God forbid, uh, yeah. but is that we're going to protect the monuments at the same time that we're going to try our best to keep people from telling you about the people on those monuments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're, I mean, because we're, we're headed down that pathway. You see what's happening in Florida. You see what's happened in Tennessee. There's, I guarantee you there will be some bills in this legislative yeah. session that limit the amount of history and what can be taught. Uh, I mean, hell, there's one in Florida where you can't even make a white person uncomfortable uh, with what you're teaching. Um, You know, and so we're going to protect the monuments to Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee and all the other Confederates out there uh, and and, and keep up these monuments to the first White House of the Confederacy. uh, uh, By And we're going to do it by making sure that the upcoming youth are very, very ignorant. Yeah. and, and, and Josh, you know, the other thing that I think uh, you you get to in your piece is so, you know, when you if you combine what I'm talking about with what you, you talked about in your column, which was great, is that, um, you know, so the very same people that want to celebrate the lost cause of the Confederacy are also the very same people who are now the recipients of hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government, yet what they're trying to do is celebrate something that was the antithesis of the federal government at that time and (laughs) still is today. There's just so much that's illogical about that Mm -hmm. whole mindset. It's just crazy. It's insane. Yeah, and you know, you see all over the country uh, now uh, the banning of books, um, you know, and 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 a, a portion of that is they know that their ideologies cannot stand up to to an actual educated person, to an educated perspective. They know that they can't. That it doesn't make any sense. It's never made any sense. First of all, the econ- just boil it down to straight economics. Their economics have never worked. They've never worked in the history of this country. If you look back when Republicans set the economy and what the standard is for the economy and cut the taxes and do all the things that they want to do, it's never, ever worked. And every single time that Democrats have done things, it's worked every single time. And it's just, you know, all right, so, 
you know, we're 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 going to have a, a guest on in just a minute that, that's going to I think is is trying her best to to alleviate the stupidity, um, and and God bless her for doing so, um, but it, it's it's a shame that I think this is what we're going to have to rely on. We're going to have to rely on community people uh, in a lot of states like Alabama and Florida and uh, Georgia and Mississippi and uh, a lot of these southern states. We're going to have to rely on community people to go mm-hmm. out and, and and listen. Nobody wants propaganda. Nobody wants. They banned a book in Tennessee recently that was essentially a, a reading material, made reading lists because it helped children better deal with loss, death, and loss of, of family members, and talked about. These, uh, you know, the, this young girl who who was on this trip with her her grandparent, and and, and just it, it was a book about loss, mm-hmm. and they banned this for these idiotic reasons. I mean, these because there was screaming during pregnancy, uh, or during birth, you know. Yes, I mean that was one of the reasons why they gave the screaming during during birth. That I assume that what they're saying is, I mean, I don't assume. Hell, this is what they were saying is that they were they were attacking this this work because they felt like by saying that that birth was painful for this woman and and was very descriptive in the pain, it was going to encourage abortion. Oh my God! Help you me. know, I mean, and so it, it's just. I, was yeah, I don't know what to do with that. people. Wow, that's just you know, crazy. and then and then the idea, and then the the overall idea, but the biggest idea that that sold this banning of this book was uh, that they did not want children to be bothered by these things, by these ideas. These no, you listen, man, you can't protect kids from from that. I, you know, I, <laughs> I wish you could, but you know, we we not too long ago had had uh, you know one of one of our dogs passed away, and you know it. Man, I mean, it still affects my little one, and she's three years old. And and you know, we we we're going out of town this weekend, and so we dropped our other dogs off at my parents' house uh, for them to stay for the for the weekend. She was almost inconsolable last night, thinking that she was never going to see him again, and and, uh, and because that's what happened. We had left, we had gone on a trip, and we left the dogs uh, with, with my folks, and w- something happened. We don't ha- even have oh, any idea, and the little yeah. dog passed away, and yeah. and so, but and we were like, why is she so upset about leaving the dogs? You know, I mean, it was like you know, it struck us. Well, this is what happened last time, mm. you know, and it's just you know, and so, you know, that's but what the book dealt with. Life. Yes, yeah, part of life, you know, and and you're never going to be able to protect them from that. So whatever that they can do, you know, to to you know to overcome those things or better deal with them, you know, I just and that's the stupidity I think that we're we're dealing with now, though, man. Is these people that these are the same people that bitched and moan about participation trophies. They're the biggest participation trophy people in the world now. They're such <laughs> snowflakes. They cannot deal with reality. I mean, when did this happen? You know, when did this happen that they became such our? Listen, they love to pretend that they're tough guys with their guns and all this stuff, but they're right. they're the thinnest skinned people alive. Well, I think it's I think it's what you said uh, earlier. Um, I think it's uh, there's a hypocrisy that uh, that is, uh, comes to play. You know. Mm-hmm. And how people uh, and how people relate to things and do things, and so uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's the problem is when it's them, you know, when they're when it doesn't go their way, that's when it's a problem, you know. 
Yeah. No, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, but it, you know, even more so than that, though, it's just, it's just dumb ideas. I mean, it's just like this, like being able to protect, you know, your, your kid from loss like this. We shouldn't, they shouldn't experience these things. What are you talking about? What are you yeah. talking about? She's in the, of course. Well, I'd love it if that were the case, man. Right, it'd, be, right. it'd be a great life, but that's not how life works, no. you know? And it's just, and, but there are other things. It's just like the, you make you uncomfortable about what happened. You know what? And the other thing is, it's, it's simply not true. It's simply not true that if you teach kids an accurate American history that tells them of the evils of slavery and, and evils of Jim Crow and discrimination and, and shows them the way that minorities have been oppressed in, in a variety of different fashions in this, in this country, it's simply not true that they then hate themselves or that black kids hate their white friends all of a sudden. That is simply not the case. It never plays out that way. What, what, what does happen is that you end up with kids who are much more educated and cognizant of these realities. And so they work to prevent that in future generations. And their black friends and their other minority friends appreciate them more for their efforts. That's how it works, man. You know, it's every single case that's how it works. It's not this nonsense about, oh, you're teaching kids to hate each other. No, you're not. Shut up. And <laughs> and, the, and all, the idea that, oh, well, you're t- by telling white kids that they have an advantage, you know, that's just setting them up for bias. They do. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, Josh, we need to nominate you mayor of common sense. That's uh, well, what we need. We need a mayor of common sense. Maybe Brookside. Maybe I could be mayor of Brookside. <laughs> Apparently, there's going to be an opening soon if, yeah, it, know, if right? John continues to write the <laughs> no. columns that he's writing. There's going to be an opening soon. Just annihilating that town down there, John Archibald is. Oh, well, yeah. goodness. It's a... Uh, uh, so let me let me confess. Oh, it didn't dawn on me until about a minute ago that uh, that I had not sent the Zoom link (laughs) (laughs) to our guest. And I'm looking at the clock thinking, why hasn't our guest joined us? Well, the reason she hadn't joined us is because I didn't send her the right link. So I just sent her the right link. So she should be joining us. Oh, man, that is something that I would do. Oh, I'm so glad you did that instead of me. It's so so nice to have somebody else screw this up for a change. You know? So I just sent it to her, so she should be. Uh, oh, she's coming in now. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> uh, and so there's our friend Kristen. How are you, Kristen? I'm great. How are y'all doing? Good, good, good. Now, Kristen, Kristen, I, I, um, uh, I have to confess that I've never heard your your last name produced, so I don't. I couldn't share with Josh how to produce uh, how to pronounce it. Rather, how do you pronounce your last name? It's perfume, so it rhymes with perfume. Oh, perfume. Yeah. And okay. And is that French? French Canadian. French Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so so Kristen Kristen Perfume is our That's right. is our guest and uh, and just joining us. And uh, and Josh, you know, Kristen uh, has done something that I think really fits into uh, a lot of what we've talked about today, she and her family have created what has been described as an anti-racist little library. 
And this is in, you, you guys are in, you're in Hoover or where are you exactly? We're in Homewood, pretty close Homewood. to okay. um, Valley Avenue. So fairly close to Birmingham, you know, just kind of over the hill there. Okay. So, yeah. so can you, can you kind of describe for people what that is? What, what, a, what the anti-racist little library is? Yes. So, um, of course, I think people are probably familiar with the Little Free Library concept, which um, that's an organization we've just recently joined. So we're actually chartered with them now as well. But we started our library around June or July of 2020. Yes. And um, so we've been going about a year and a half. Um, and essentially, it's a little box that's outside near the sidewalk. So people can kind of access it at any point during the day. Um, and we keep books in there. And our focus for the books that we provide are going to be books on racial justice issues or books by um, authors of color or with central characters of color. So that those are that's kind of the focus of the books that we offer in our little library out there. So so you are what we, you are what we would call a colloquially, we would call you a woke white person. Is that, <laughs> is that how you see yourself? You, I, I don't really is a, is a I don't necessarily see myself that way. But, oh, you know, okay. I, I think I mean, I feel like we're all, you know, you just kind of have to do your best. You kind of have to do your best to make things better and to try to um, when you know that there's a problem to try to do what you can to work on that problem. And, um, you know, we kind of started this process after the murder of George Floyd. We started thinking, what could we do to, to you know, just work towards solutions, try to be helpful. And we wanted something sustainable that we could keep going. So not just like sending a donation or doing, you know, a one-time thing. We wanted something that we could continue with. And so that's kind of how this idea came about. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel kind of the same way when when you say, yeah, I don't think of myself as a, like a woke person or whatever, because it's not it's not a thing that that I, you you know you necessarily wanted uh, you know some recognition for or you know or right. you want it, it just kind of I mean like with me, I mean people think I, I act so odd sometimes about uh, about stuff uh, about things because I'm a white person in Alabama and yet I think yeah. oh my God, I think I, I shouldn't treat people differently because their skin is a different color. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's just a, a common sense sort of, uh, sort of thing. But what is the, what has the response been uh, there? Is it positive, negative? I had a very positive response, especially locally. Um, we've gotten nothing, we've gotten nothing but positive comments, you know, from neighbors or people in the area that maybe message us on our Instagram page. Um, the, the few kind of negative things have been more when we've been um, like in national news and, and so people far away don't really have any particular connection to the area have made comments, but that, you know, it's pretty easy to tune that kind of thing out. We did have an incident about a month in where someone came and took every single book out of the library, um, which that didn't happen with other local free libraries that time. And so that did feel targeted. It did feel like maybe they didn't like what we were doing and, and wanted to make it harder for us. But we don't know what the motivation was there, but it was certainly um, disheartening yeah, <laughs> when that idiots. happened. That's the motivation. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, no, it's, it's nice to, uh, it, it is. It, it, the, 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 well, I guess what, what kind of books are, are, are we talking about? What, what, what can they, if you went to the, little, the free anti-racist library, what, what could you find? So we have adult books, teen books, and kid books. And of course, most of the kid books are going to be stories. And a lot of times they're stories about um, sort of that would sort of be empowering 
for kids and they're going to have characters of really all skin tones. And so, you know, I, we want any kid that comes to that library to find a book where they feel represented. So that's, that's really important to us when we're picking child books. Um, and we have some books in there, there, there that are, you know, on some tough topics like the Tulsa race massacre. There's a kid's book that is kind of centered around there called um, the, the, I have to think of, I have to think of the name of that one, but, and we have um, black is a rainbow color, which is a great story. Um, and then for teen books, those are mostly novels. And again, they're going to be authors of color, uh, going to have main characters of color. The adult books are kind of a mix between novels and then more uh, nonfiction sorts of like how to be an anti-racist and um, the sixteen nineteen project, which is a recent book we've added and so books like that that are a lot more targeted towards you know what is the problem how do you contribute to the solution uh, you know and then you know beloved by tony morrison or something that's mm -hmm. more of a novel right if um if people in other communities wanted to start the, a similar program what what would what would be your advice to them well, um, you know, I think it's always good to sort of look around and make sure there's not already something in place that you could contribute to instead. But I, certainly in this area, we didn't find anything like that. And so um, I, I would say my advice is, you know, just kind of have a plan for stocking your little library going forward or whatever your project is, but have some kind of sustainability plan because it can get really expensive, especially when you're talking about books. You want good quality books. So um, that can be expensive. And it's, of course, it's helpful to have people who are really supportive and will send money or they'll contribute books. Um, so I think if somebody wanted to do a little library like this, it's a good idea to, you know, make sure you've got some support in the area, some financial backing, that kind of thing. Um, and then just, I think, go into it knowing that there may be somebody that's unhappy that does something, takes, takes your books or what have you. And, you know, you kind of just have to be ready to roll with that if it happens. Well, I got to say, Kristen, I think um, you are, and I certainly don't want you to misunderstand when I, I didn't mean uh, woke as a, uh, you know, uh, to be dismissive or anything. Oh, like no, that. I, yeah. I think that, that what you have done, you and your family have done is uh, extremely courageous and 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 is a just a, a wonderful community service and i want to i want to uh, commend you for that as a as an alabamian i want to commend you for that and uh and is there a way for people to contact you if they want to donate books or support your your efforts in any way absolutely so we have an instagram page and that's at anti-racist library 20 so no dashes or anything in there um, so if people want to go there and they can learn more about the library we have links on there to donate books to donate uh, money we have actually a gofundme right now we're trying to make sure we're fully stocked on adult books in anticipation of black history month and so we're running a gofundme right now to make sure that we have enough of that in, in the library before um, February 1st. And then we also have other links to just, you know, other places people might want to donate or contribute or just other um, bookstores and organizations that people might want to learn about. So we try to have a lot of good content on there for people. Okay. So again, that Instagram page is anti-racist library 2020. Just 20. So anti-racist library 20. 
Oh, okay, got it. Anti-Racist Library 20. Kristen, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Um, you and your family, I just think, are, uh, I, I just can't, I can't say enough. I mean, I, oh, just think I appreciate that. You, you, you're Thank amazing. You. What you're doing is amazing. And, uh, and what a legacy for not just for you, your husband, but your children and, and uh, God willing, your grandchildren. And I mean, just that, that's a, that's a powerful ha- family legacy you've created. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that it's, it's really been a fun project for us too. And we love to get to read through all the books before we put them out there. So that's like a really nice benefit that we get to have these books and, and share them with our kids. And then, then they're out there for whoever wants to come take them. Awesome. That's a great yeah. It is. It is. It, uh, Kristen, thank you. Uh, thank Absolutely. you for coming on and, and, uh, and for what you're doing. It, uh, it, as, I, as we said earlier, um, uh, you know, if, if there's people uh, like Kristen Berthium that are going to, uh, <laughs> that, that are going to hold us up as we slowly start to ban the books that she's putting in the, oh, uh, in her little yeah. free library. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but that, listen, thank you, uh, for, for spending some time with us and for what you're doing out there. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Hey, yeah. That was uh, Chris. Y'all, seriously, y'all go to the Instagram page and uh, see if uh, if you can donate and help her out with with what she's doing there. Because uh, if you don't, we're going to end up with more people like our right wing nut of the week uh, this mm. week, uh, mm. which again is Mo Brooks. <laughs> <sighs> I it's mean, just, it's it's like uh, it's like, what do they call it? It's like shooting crabs in a barrel. I mean, it really is, man. But listen. Yeah. The solution to Mo Brooks, the solution to the Mo Brooks problem is reading more. All right. I guarantee you, if we read more, we have less Mo Brooks out there. Okay. <laughs> so just keep the reading. Uh, Mo Brooks this week, in the wake of the uh, decision, the federal court decision, three judge panel, uh, by the way, the three judges, one appointed by Obama, two appointed by Donald John Trump. Right. Um, Mo Brooks' response is, The maps were overturned by liberal racist judges. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as you said, two judges out of the three appointed by Donald J. Trump. And he's saying that they are liberal racist judges. You know how racist your maps got to be for Donald John Trump's (laughs) appointees to overturn your maps? You know how racist they got to be? Exactly, exactly. I mean, we basically handed them maps with crosses burning on them. You know, that's how racist (laughs) they had to be. I love that. That's hilarious. Seriously. No, you're right. I I mean, because I'm willing, I think it's a safe bet that Trump didn't, didn't appoint anybody who was going to be remotely inclined to be what we would call liberal today, no. for sure. So, no. uh, you know, those are, those are, those are all probably uh, top tier federalist society people. sitting. There, I can those, assure you. Well, first chairs. of all, I can, I can yeah. assure you that Trump does not even know their names. Okay. He couldn't <laughs> tell you who those people were. He can pick them out of a lineup with the Beatles. All right. right so right, right. Uh, th- he doesn't know who they are, but they came to him through exactly the sources that you've just said, the federalist folks there mm-hmm. uh, who had put up some of the most unqualified judges uh, in the history of our judiciary, okay? Mm -hmm. These people were so outrageous. It was incredible. But, you know, anyways, even those guys thought, whoa, that's way too racist, you know? And here's Mo Brooks, liberals, bunch of liberals. Um, uh, But listen, I, 
I think we might have given them the best show. I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we what, what else we could do here on this show. Man, we gave Archibald. Between. We gave you the anti-racist library lady. Yeah. We gave. I mean, it's all. What good I mean, stuff. not just a lady. The whole family. The anti-racist library family down there. Yeah, it was good stuff, man. Really, it was. That was a good one. I, I really. I think that was one of our better efforts, I have to say. Yeah, it was. Y'all should pay no us question. more. Y'all should pay us more. <laughs> well, I feel that way every week. No matter oh, wait how a we did. <laughs> wait a minute. I think I'm in charge of that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you can do something about that, Josh. <laughs> yeah, well, we're working on it. We're working on it. All right, let's uh, let's get ourselves out of here and uh, let the people go about their weekend or week or where, whenever they're listening to this. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, y'all be safe out there. Peace.